special report on the 6 o'clock news. Another shooting in another school. Six rounds fired. Three lives lost. A gun in the wrong hand. Oh, what a cost. The whole town gathers. Questioning why. Why God allowed three children to die. Then old Mr. Carter stepped forward and said, Seems you've forgotten just what you did. God wasn't allowed in your school today, but you wanted it that way, didn't you? God is not the one to blame. He didn't bring your pain. I say to you, he didn't cause the tragedy. He wasn't there, remember? You asked him to leave. Last night I had a terrible dream. There was violence and anger in the streets. No way to escape, no world in distress. No houses of prayer, no peace, no rest. And those there among us who wanted God gone stood in confusion, wondering what went wrong with their faces in their hands, not sure what was next. I looked in their eyes and said, what did you expect? God wasn't here. You asked him to leave. Those are, were, that was a song called You Asked Him to Leave by Gerald Crabb and Dennis Morgan, sung by Wilburn and Wilburn. Powerful words in a time in which you and I see in our land so much struggle, so much strife, so many things going on and being a part of what we deal with on a daily basis. I think all of us realize and understand uh, whether we like it or not, and we shouldn't like it, that we are no longer, if we ever truly were, we certainly are no longer a nation under God. We're, we're not a nation that observes God as who he is and what he feels like. We is a, and I, when I say the we, I'm not necessarily saying you. You may have the exact right heart, but as a nation, as a group of people, uh, we, we don't honor God any longer. We have no thought or regard for him in whatsoever. Most of the people have either forgotten or have chosen foolishly just to push God aside and say he has no value, he has no place, he has no rule in our hearts and our lives, has no right to be in our nation and the things that are going on as we look at it. The term under God was not originally in the Pledge of Allegiance, but it was added. Don't know how long it's going to be able to stay in our current culture and society, but right now it's there. But it, what it means when we think about it, when we talk about it, the understanding that our forefathers had and that the history of our nation has had for almost the vast majority of our nation is that we had an understanding as a people that it was God who made things right. It was God who had the justice. It was God who set a foundation that allowed us to live in the freedom that we rejoice in every day, that we celebrate in the things that we do because of the things that were going on and being a part of it. But what does it exactly mean to be under something? What is that idea? Well, we've all heard the term under the circumstances. When we talk about something, or we, somebody's sick, and we might say, well, they're under the weather. Or uh, maybe a highway patrolman pulls someone aside on the road and finds out that they're under the influence of something. that What it means to be under is to be under the control of, under the dominion of, under the influence that it has more power over us, that it's ruling, at least in that moment, our thoughts, our attitudes, our actions, the things that we are and the things that we're doing and being a part of it as we try to understand that. See, Israel 
had the same problem that we have. They decided they didn't need God. They didn't want God to be a part of their life. And the Bible tells us in the book of Judges that they did what was right in their own eyes. That's how they chose to live. Just whatever was right to them was what they chose to do. They decided they didn't want God to be their leader, their ruler, their king. They wanted an earthly one, a sinful man, a man who was just as evil as they were in their own hearts to be their ruler and their guide. And so they chose to go the way of the world and not the way God wanted them to go. And course we know what happened to Israel as they were taken into captivity and lost and have lost so many of the promises that were theirs because of the things that God did. I want to read several verses of scripture and then I just want to take a few moments to talk about what it means when we take the under God of our hearts out and we no longer decide to live with that, uh, that situation, that understanding, that knowledge that we are a people who are supposed to be under God, especially as Christians, that we are under God as our Lord, our Savior, our King, our leader in all that we do together. But let me just read some of these verses for you. If you want to stand with me, uh, I don't know that you want to try to flip back and forth through your Bibles. If you do, you're more than welcome to as we look at it. But we're, I'm going to start and read one of the verses that I read when we are talking about the family. In Psalm 127, in verse 1, the Scripture says, Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchmen keep awake in vain. And then in Proverbs 14, in verse 34, Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a disgrace to any people. And then if we move over to Matthew, we sang about that just a little bit ago. When we hear the rules and the laws of God and we obey them, we're like a wise man. The Bible says as we look at it and talks about it, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them may be compared to the wise man who built his house upon the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against the house, and yet it did not fall, for it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and slammed against the house and it fell and great was its fall. And then in, second, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 11, For no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me? Father, this morning we come... On this day of independence, this day of celebrating the freedom that we have as a nation, a time that began through sacrifice as men and women moved to this land and then as they fought to have the freedoms to be able to do the things in their lives that they felt right, but most of all, grounded and founded in the realization that what they wanted more than anything else was the freedom to worship you not to be dictated to by a government or a state or anyone else that would tell them how to worship or when to worship or how to do it or what faith they had to choose, but rather the freedom to celebrate the wonder of the creator of the universe, to understand that you have spoken into the heart of every man a yearning for eternity. They wanted to be able to share that, and this nation was built upon that foundation. And even though... Our books are being distorted and history is being rewritten and things are being done to try to take away the truth of what our nation was built upon. The reality is that this nation was a nation that was built under God. And Father, we know today that we're not 
of a nation like that any longer. We're not what we ought to be because we've chosen not to let you be who you are in our lives and in our nation. And I know those who are gathered here this morning, Father, probably don't need to know and hear the things about this, but we just need to be reminded who we are in Christ and what, how important it is, Father, that we understand that Christ needs to be the Lord of our homes. He needs to be the Lord of our churches, but he needs to be the Lord of our nation. If we're to have any hope, any possibility of coming out of the distress and out of the turmoil and out of all the anger and all that's going on in our nation, God, it'll only be when we turn back to you. And I pray that you'd help us to understand that in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. You know, the Pledge of Allegiance, that when we say it, we go into that part where we talk about under God. And then part of the phraseology, I want to pick out three of those phrases and just mention a moment because when we're not under God, they, you can't say it anymore. For instance, this, when we say under God, indivisible. But when we're not under God, we're not indivisible any longer. We're divided. We're people who have no clue where we're going and what direction we're going in and none of us get along with one another. We're all at each other's throats. Everybody fighting for their own rights and their own privileges and no one wants to be solid in being a part of it as we look at it and as we understand. Matthew 12, 25 informs us that a kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. And, and the word of God is, has been true to that all through time and all through history as we look at it and as we understand. A people who choose not to work together, to be together, are a divided people. And divided people are always at one another's throat. And we see, we don't have to even think about it. We don't have to be intelligent. We don't have to uh, study. We don't have to have any thoughts about what's going on because we're bombarded over and over and over and over again with the reality that we live in a nation that's in complete uproar, total turmoil. No one being able to get along together the way that it should and be a part of the things that are going on. See, sin always separates. It never brings together. Sin always divides. It causes that to happen in our own lives. It divided us from God. It divides us within our own families, within the context of our own cities and the things that go on because when we let sin predominate in our lives, we cannot be unified. And the Bible teaches us that only in unity can we find the freedoms and the joys that God wants us to experience and to being a part of as we look at it and as we see that. And so we struggle with those things as we come together and as we understand the things that are going on and being a part of it. When a nation no longer chooses to be under God, then we have to understand that it's true that we're subject to every kind of division, every kind of riot, every kind of false premises. Everything falls apart. A kingdom divided cannot stand. But the other part of the pledge says that we have liberty. But when we're not under God, license displaces liberty. See, we mistake freedom. Too many of us think freedom is the right to do anything I want to, any time I want to, any way I want to, in any manner that I feel like. That's not freedom. That's prison. That's, in being in, that's being engulfed and guarded and controlled by sin. It's, the, it's filling the flesh. Romans 1 tells us that God gave them over. Talking about those people who said they don't want to acknowledge God. They didn't want to believe in God. They put God to, out of their lives and they made their own lives what they wanted to be. And so God gave them over to their own lust, to their own fleshly desires and the things that were going on. And it didn't turn out to be the freedom that they desired, but rather it became enslavement. 
to the sin that ruled their lives and the things that were there. And it's true in a nation as well. Whenever we don't allow God to have a say in our lives, whenever we don't look at God and turn to God and are part of what God wants us to do and being the kind of things that we should and understand the things that are, that are going on, then we find ourselves with all kinds of license and people just doing what they want to, how they want to, when they want to, and they don't care. See, I have the right to do whatever I want to. And if I want to murder you, it's okay. You say, well, it's not very fair to me. Well, it doesn't matter. I'm not interested in you. I'm interested in me. And that's the nation we live in. I'm interested in me, 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 me. All about me and what I want and the things that are going on. That's the license that we've chosen. Because we're no longer, as a people under God, we no longer look to God. We no longer seek God. We no longer want God to be a part of it. But the scripture says very clearly, if you want to have freedom, you've got to have God. Freedom is not found in casting off the restraints of, of what you decide is not right for yourself. But the Bible says that in God there is freedom. There is liberty. That in Christ we find the freedom. The truth shall set you free. The Bible teaches us that if we want to really understand what it's like to live a life of freedom, to live a life of power, to live a life of victory, to live a life that has the kind of joy and wonder and all that we want, it's lived under the rulership and the lordship of the Lord Jesus Christ. And there is no other means by which it can happen. You can look around the world and you'll not find a nation that has the ability to live in peace and joy and prosperity and the things that is not under God. And you don't find them because our nations are no longer under God, including this one. As we look and as we understand, we, we, we've passed off that which God has given us, the opportunity to be free in the things that are there and being a part of it. But the, there's a final one that it also talks about, justice for all. Well, that's a joke in our nation. Justice for all. See, when we don't have justice, you have inequity. It's not fair to anybody. No one's rights are observed. No one has equal standing. No one can, we can look in our courts, we can look around us, we can see all the time. See, justice, the only way justice can really exist is when it's led by a just one. And there's only one just one. His name's God. And he himself has chosen to take those of us who were willing to step into his love and to receive his grace and his mercy and be cleansed by what he did for us on the cross in Jesus Christ. He has chosen, the Bible says, to justify us, to make us right before God, to make us right in his eyes and his standing, to give us the justice that we don't deserve but that God desires for us. But we can't have justice when we don't have those who have just lives, when we don't have those who know the just one leading and guiding and ruling in our courts and our politics and all the things that are there. They can't do it because they don't know justice themselves. When we take God away, we remove the opportunity to have genuine justice in a land. And so we see what we have. People with money getting away with whatever they want to get away with. People without money being persecuted for things that they couldn't do, that they maybe don't even do. We, we find racial problems. We find all kinds of poverty problems, educational problems, all the issues that are going on, and nothing equitable, nothing justified, because we're not living under God. We're not a people who choose to let ourselves use any brains that God gave us, but rather we choose to be submitted to the evil understandings and ways of Satan in a nation without God. Can we do anything about it? I had a friend sent me an email this week. 
He said he meets with a group of men. He lives in North Carolina, and he meets with a group of men, and they were discussing some of the things, and he's told me a couple of times how burdened he is over the fact that God's people no longer live like God's people. You know, how it's broken his heart, and he just doesn't think. He said, I, I, I think I still believe there's a chance for revival, but not if we don't do something different. I don't know. I'll be honest with you. I don't know if there's a chance for revival in our nation. I know God's big enough. Not in question about that. But I don't know if enough of God's people care to want something to happen, to want to change our nation, to want to bring it back to the place that we are under God, that we can celebrate the wonder of what it is to be alive and rejoice in one another and realize that every single one of us are God's creations and every single one of us have worth in God's eyes and every single one of us have value so much that Christ died upon the cross for every one of us. No matter who we are, no matter where we're from, no matter how we look, no matter what's going on in our lives, we are loved by God and God desires for all of us to know Him and to be one together with Him in life, in relationship, in all that's going on. And so the Bible gives us a very clear answer, one you know very, very well. But I'm just going to read it again myself this morning and let you hear it from the words that are here as we understand what's going on and being a part of it. Let me find my scripture here right quick, and I'll get with you. Uh, whoops, wrong play. Okay, 14, 7, 2 Chronicles 7, 14. You know it, you can quote it, but listen with your heart, not just your head. My, if my people who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sin and heal their land. See, the scripture makes it very clear who God's talking to there. God's people. Not talking to the lost of this nation. They live like the lost because they are lost. They're evil because they are evil. They have evil hearts. They can't help it. Until they get redeemed, they have no chance of living according to the love that God desires for all of us to have. And so he's talking to the church. He's talking to his people. And he says, if my people, those who know me, those who have experienced grace, those who understand what I have done for them in their lives, if my people will humble themselves, that means to acknowledge We've made a mess of it, folks. We need God to fix it. We'll humble ourselves and turn, listen, turn from our wicked ways. I'm not saying if those old weakable people out there in the world will get right. No, it says if God's people will turn from their wicked ways and seek God's face. It means want God more than we want anything else. Then, and the emphasis is the fact, only then, I will hear from heaven. And I will forgive their sin. And I will heal their land. So yes, there is a possibility. Certainly. Always there's a possibility when God's around. There's not anything God can't do. There's not anything God can't fix. But it comes when you and I come to an understanding that, that we need more than just to say with our words. We're under God. No. 
it's not until we absolutely, totally, willfully place ourselves under God to acknowledge that He is the one who has dominion in my life. He is the one who is Lord of my life. He is the one who influences my life, who directs my thoughts, my actions, my attitudes, and the things that are going on. It's not until I genuinely, purposely, singularly, me, place myself under God then I can expect all the things that God wants to do and all the blessings that he has. And one by one, God's people are going to have to stand up and say, today, I commit myself once again to come back to that place in my life where I submit to God as Lord and Savior of my life. I submit to his authority. I submit to who he is. I yield to him. I seek God's influence in my life, in my heart. I want to walk under the authority of the Lord God Almighty. And one by one, we can become a mighty army again that can pray God's purposes back into place. They can watch God begin to change people one by one by one by one. And we can begin to see peace restored to communities and homes. We can begin to see joy brighten up the lives and the faces of people once again. We can begin to experience that peace that we all long for so desperately. But it comes when we who are God's people put ourselves once again under God. Don't blame God for the nation that we have. Don't blame God for the pain and the hurt and the anger and the hunger, the poverty, all the things that are going on around it because all those are a result of choosing sin over God. We can make a choice every day. We do make choices every day. Let's choose. At least for ourselves. We can't choose for anyone else. But for ourselves. Let's choose. Let's be under God. Let him be in charge. He knows a whole lot more about doing things right than you and I. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you today for loving us. Thank you that we do live in this nation. I know it doesn't sound like I think it's a very good place to be, but Father, we just look around us and we know what's going on around us. And, and as Christians, we understand the source of the problem and we know the solution to the problem. But we just get overrun by things and sometimes we just feel hopeless and helpless. And just think, you know, what can we do? I'm just one person, or we're just a small group of people. What can we do to make a difference? We read about the hatred. We read about the anger. We read about the unforgiveness and the unwillingness to forgive. God, we could go on and on and on, but I stand here this morning, first of all, to say thank you that you forgave me when I didn't deserve it. You love me, though unworthy. And you have placed within me your peace, and your joy, and your mercy, and your grace. You have bestowed upon me the freedom from all condemnation to know that I walk in the grace of forgiveness of God and one day will stand in your presence for all eternity, forgiven 
cleansed, whole. But God, that's what our nation needs. And it has to start with us. So, Father, I just pray that you'd speak to each of us individually and all of us here as Christians collectively. And that you'd put a burden on our hearts for our nation. And that we'd begin to pray the way we ought to pray. With a burden. But also with a hope. That you might, once again, as the scripture says, God, do it again. Would you just once again revive us? For we so desperately need you. I pray that in Christ's name. Amen.